This podcast is based on real-life events that are portrayed to the best of Athena and Amber's memory and also backed by court records and other factual evidence. While all the stories in the podcast are true, some names and identifying details have been changed to protect the privacy of the people involved. Previously on Ex-Wives Undercover. Amber, the other women, and I quickly come together on the Charlie's Angels text thread. Next, the women support me while I take Ben on in family court. Amber also continues her mission to finalize her divorce with Ben. And in a shocking twist, Amber and I realize that Avery has betrayed us. And she has gone back to Ben. Welcome to Ex-Wives Undercover. Liars, cheaters, and love cons. I'm Amber. And I'm Athena. First we told our story, and now we're sharing all of your craziest and most heart-wrenching stories of love gone wrong. Sometimes we laugh. And sometimes we cry. But more importantly, we we stand stand together. together. All right, girl. You ready to do this? Let's do it. The views, information, or opinions expressed on our show by our guests are solely the views of those individuals involved and by no means represent absolute facts. Opinions expressed by the host and guests may change at any time. Our podcast and YouTube show may at times cover sensitive topics, including but not limited to suicide, abuse, violence. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. Season 2, Episode 2, Fallen Angel. I felt like I was living in a nightmare and I couldn't wake up. After the hurt and betrayal from Avery, I felt like I couldn't trust my own instincts about anything or anyone. Just when I thought the knife she put in our back couldn't be shoved any deeper, I was proven wrong. Avery decided to appear before the judge on behalf of Ben during his pre-trial hearing. Amber and I could not believe our ears. After everything she had recently found out and everything Ben had done to her, how the hell could she have taken him back? Good afternoon, and I apologize for how lengthy this hearing is. Unfortunately, there was another judge prior to me, and I needed to get all the facts. Mended email officer Jordal on february 15th she uh, thanked him for his help and said that she was on her way to file a restraining order um i'm looking at her history and it looks like she did uh, go to pierce county superior court and uh, attempted to file a temporary protection order with pierce county um before and that was five days before the arraignment took place where we received our own no contact order um, the city has concerns, uh, obviously, about the fact that there have been allegations that he has violated the no contact order, at least in terms of him contacting um, one of the other um, victims in this case through text messaging. Um, I do have concerns with the complete 180. It seems that she's her attitude towards prosecution has vastly changed since um, this case began. And so given the city's case, uh, given the previous violations, I'm not arguing for the ones here today, but the previous violations, um, I am objecting to the lifting of the no contact order. And I, I think that, you know, it's great that he's doing treatment, but one month isn't, 
it's not enough to cure someone, but it's good progress. So I think it might just be a little bit too premature in terms of, you know, treatment components with it. Um, so I'm happy to answer any of the questions by the court. And then, um, if you're going to speak, I just need you to be at the um, microphone so it can get picked up. It's when I had made my initial statement, that was all based off of what Athena and Amber told me. And I was just in a state of shock and confusion. And I was just really angry and upset. And towards the end, and they had befriended me and told me all sorts of misleading things. And at the when I finally decided that I was done with the relationship with them, because I did not feel that I felt like it was more for revenge and to get back at him for past relationship issues. Um, that's when I realized that I was not correct by feeling the way I had. And it was based off of the misleading things they had told me. But like I had said, never even yelled at me or cursed at me. I mean, in no way has he ever made me feel scared or threatened at all. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate uh, your statements to the court. I was super in shock, but then kind yeah. of, I was like, I should have seen that coming. This is not that shocking. I, I saw that coming. I knew in my gut. Yeah. I felt super betrayed. I felt it. It reminded me of what I need to work on my own stuff because I'd let a Ben in my life and then a Brad in my life. And then although I'd only known Avery a short amount of time, I allowed her in my life. Then I start questioning myself and feeling like I couldn't trust my own instincts. Why didn't I see this? Cause you and Deanna had Deanna originally, and then you, but I was still, like I said previously, um, making excuses for her going, no, you guys, she's just upset because that guy was a fake and she's just upset. That's probably why she's more quiet, not being herself, but you guys felt it and knew it. And, and I just, I'm way too freaking nice sometimes, man. But I think that goes to show that, you know, the Ben's and the Brad's and, um, they prey on exactly that trusting people, yeah. compassionate people. And this is not to say that Avery was a bad person because she took him back. No, it's just, yeah, she, she wasn't, she, I think with those kind of people, you have to be done in your own time. True. And for me, it took five years. It took you five years. It, it's just her path wasn't quite done yet. She it wasn't. wanted to believe that she could get him help and, um, so no, I don't want anyone to think, oh my gosh, she's a bad person for doing that. Cause it's, no. it wasn't that she kicks Cause we had done for, the exact same thing yeah, for yeah. much longer, actually a good few years longer yeah. than she did. So, um, he's just very good at what he does. And so, although I'd felt, um, <laughs> I felt like you, I felt like the tiger, that you, we always talk about and joked about yeah. before it really became a thing. And I'd be like, be nice, Amber. Don't be the mean girl. Oh, cause I would just roar. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. It just like spewed out of me because I felt so betrayed. I couldn't believe that, um, as a female that you would hurt and backstab other women. Where's, 
where's the loyalty? Where's the camaraderie that we had formed? In my mind, I thought, was it all fake from the beginning? It made me think. I got right. paranoid. Like, was she yeah. on side the whole time? Was she getting information from us? Um, so it was hard to swallow. How, what did you feel like? Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> all of those things. Yeah. Um, you're right, because it is that moment of, I mean, you knew everything. You know what I mean? So it's one thing. Yeah. Maybe I'm a hypocrite for saying that. And she did but, a, he did a lot of shit to her. Right. And so I she feel, knew 100%. Right. And so, you know, a lot of people would be like, oh my God, Amber, you kept taking him back and you knew, and you knew this and that. I'm like, but I didn't know the bulk of it. And so I had assumptions of, I didn't think he was probably raped or that we probably didn't have that money. I, I really didn't know the bulk of it. And so I kept taking him back, but like, for her, I'm like, oh my gosh, you had it all laid out. You had everything. You saw how he destroyed his daughter and all of these multiple women, including herself. And so that's where it's mind boggling over. Yeah. You still would rather betray these women who, you know, are not lying and have showed you the proof and you still would jeopardize a child's welfare. I know. At the time, going back, I was pissed. I was patigering out too. Like, I think yeah. I had never seen you patiger out like I that. I know. I know. Was I was so angry great. because it was jeopardizing my. It was jeopardizing child. my daughter. Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah, and that's what I felt defeated. Was like, oh my gosh, girl! All because you think you're the one. Do you really think you're the one? Because he got you a fake ring, and he he did a fake tattoo on his hand. Like he did all the things he did things. <gasps> he did the thing, said the words and, he, and, it's, and he's it's, showing up with gifts yes. and, and I'm like, doorstep non-stop. Don't you know and, better by now that he does the things we know he does, the but things. I wonder if, but here's the thing she was, and I'm not mean to be disrespectful, Avery, if you're listening to this, um, this is my point of view and I'm not trying to be a bitch when I say this, but it was, you were the main wife and then he had, um, he had Deanna and then third was her brought on all while trying to juggle you and then Miss Norway and all that. So I wonder because she had given him a very long rope knowing that he was very busy because he had laid the foundation. Cindy comes first and this, that, and the other that I wonder if he had never really schmoozed her really, really laid it on thick and schmoozed her. Um, and did that heavy manipulation with the gifts and the I love yous and you're the one until after everybody was out of the picture. Now, like he's going after hardcore and maybe that made her feel special at that moment. Like, wow. Yeah. I mean, do you think I that was the know. first time he laid it on that thick? I, I think that he always lays it on thick in the beginning. Okay. And, but I think you're right there because here's the deal. I mean, I don't want to sound like, I don't even know how to, word it in a way that doesn't sound arrogant or whatever, but he, he simply doesn't have the time to spend with all those women. Yeah. And I know as his wife that he was with me the majority of the time. And so that means he had to, what little time he had, he had to yeah. spread out over three girlfriends, four girlfriends at some point. So right. they both were getting, all of them were getting kind of scraps and not me saying, Oh my God, I'm so great. This is, I had such yeah. a great, not at all, but I'm just saying like realistically, they all were getting crumbs 
and they had, you know what I mean? So yeah, like you true. were telling me, you know, when there was that moment of him saying, um, oh, I, I messed up. I shouldn't have chose Amber. I should have chose Avery. You kind of go into competition mode, whether yeah. you want to or Just not. Natural instinct. Yes. And I remember you saying, Amber, don't play the game. And I was like, nope, I'm good. I'm not going to play the game. If he wants her, he can have her. But maybe she did feel a little competition. Maybe it felt couldn't good. Be. Yeah, maybe of course. it felt good that he. I yeah. won. Out of all these girls, he wants me. Yep. And yeah. that's. And that natural. could definitely, that's very natural. And that could definitely have yeah. uh, persuaded her to yes. go to the dark side. And, and also, if you think about it, you know, she got to meet the family. She got to establish a relationship with Sydney. Deanna didn't. That's Deanna true. was kept hidden the entire time. He wasn't that's very true. You know, he wasn't shown to the rooftops that Deanna was his girl. He had her hidden for two plus years. Yeah. Good same point. with Jordan. Same with Norway. Yeah. He wasn't. He kept all of those girls hidden, but yet he took Avery to his family. And that's a big deal. That is a big deal. Like you would think any, any woman would think and man would mm-hmm. think, um, that was significant. After our defeat in court, we received another blow. Amber received a text message from Avery's friend informing us that the reconnected lovebirds were vacationing in Arizona. Defying the court order and going on a romantic vacation was a blatant middle finger to everybody. And it demonstrated that Ben and Avery were going to do whatever the fuck they wanted. Ben was an arrogant motherfucker and clearly knew that the courts wouldn't do shit. At this point, he had broken the no contact orders multiple times, intimidated the victims, fled the court, and now this. Would there be any stop to this injustice? We were already in absolute disbelief that Ben got away with drinking alcohol by creating a fake receipt from the Mexican restaurant he was at with his buddies and submitted to the court that it was oyster shooters. The defense filed a receipt from the Aberdeen restaurant, which purports to show that the defendant consumed an oyster shooter rather than alcohol. As the court is familiar, as the court is familiar with this case, um, you will remember that there was a lot of back and forth about the photograph from Mr. Johnson's Facebook showing him what looked like him taking a shot glass and something in that shot glass. City's position it was alcohol. Defense's position it was an oyster shooter. Um, the defense filed um, a receipt uh, showing that it looked like it was indeed an oyster shooter. However, um, both myself and Rule 9, uh, Cody Erickson, contacted the restaurant. We both spoke to individuals. They said that there were no um, they don't serve oyster shooters. Additionally, I did contact the manager of the restaurant and he provided a written statement via email that he believes that the document was falsified as they do not serve oyster shooters. And that attaches plaintiff's exhibit number four. Um, what's the defendant's exhibit number one? You may. It's a letter from um, Brian Mora. And then exhibit number two of the other. Mm-hmm. letter from Rob I did just contact both those people on the telephone and confirmed that they wrote those and that they signed those documents. One person is the one who was there in Aberdeen with with the oyster shooter um, episode or incident, and the other one uh, was the one who served the oyster shooter. Has the prosecutor um, had an opportunity to review these letters? And... I was just giving them about 
15 minutes ago, council made a phone call, put him, put Brian Mora on speakerphone. I asked him very simple questions such as what's the address of your, of the restaurant. He wasn't able to provide that. I asked him what um, the name of the manager was. He provided a name different than Francisco. Um, and I asked him who was the cashier and he said Nelly. This is this Let is like ask, kind of chaos. You, did you contact you contacted Mazatlan Restaurant or how did you contact I, Brian Mora? I contacted the numbers that are on that those pieces of paper. And how did you get these numbers? I got them from my client. And how did he get these numbers? Are I, these from I the restaurant? I don't have that evidence to present. I could, I don't know. But I mean, he was he went down when he heard this allegation was being made. Uh, he, he doesn't drink, and so he took it very seriously, and he went down to Aberdeen to to, to get these made, my understanding. It's, it's a very difficult posture for the court when I have, obviously, letters from the prosecutor stating that they didn't serve them, and then I have a letter from defense counsel stating that they did, that they did nothing's under penalty of perjury. Right. Um, so... What does the party, what does the city want me to do? Mr. Erickson and I are both willing to state under the penalty of perjury that we called the phone number of the Mazatlan restaurant for Aberdeen and spoke to people who work there. Based on the information that the court has been provided by both parties, there's nothing under penalty of perjury by either the prosecutor or by defense counsel. And I understand, Ms. Fitzgibbon, that you're stating that you and Mr. Erickson contacted Mazatlan. I think it's Mazatlan Restaurant. But Mr. Mora is stating that they don't have the, the oyster shooters all the time, but they did at this time. I mean, does the court have to get off the bench and make the, the phone call to find out what the truth is? I was just provided that, Your Honor. So I asked him several different questions and he wasn't able to answer even the address of the location. Well, the court doesn't feel like it can make a determination when I have conflicting information and neither of them under penalty of perjury. Well, the city also provided um, character evidence regarding the parenting plan uh, fabrication as well as the fact that he has been convicted of attempted insurance fraud. Right. The court is not going to make a determination on the receipt until the court receives under penalty of penalty of perjury language that there wasn't oysters or there was oysters or this receipt. I mean, the receipt was that was generated that, that Mr. Uh, Disco Arcio, did he see the receipt? I mean, I guess, the, and did he state that that is not a receipt from their organization? Yes. Okay, and so then the question goes as well, when did he work there? Was he working there at that time? Was he the manager at that time? He told me he was the manager at that time, but I don't know how long, how many years he's been there for. Right, I think the court needs more information and it needs it to be under penalty of perjury uh, for the court to consider uh, the information that's been provided by either party. There was no way Ben was going to get away with it this time. The evidence was all there. 
Well, I was no longer friends with Avery on social media. Her friends were, and they weren't shy about forwarding texts and photos to me and Athena. Ben and Avery thought they were being careful about not posting selfies together, but again, any moron could put two and two together. So we diligently collected everything and turned it into the prosecutor. And they thought they were so smart and trying to be coy. And the friend sends the picture that Avery had posted on her Instagram. And it's a picture tagging Phoenix, hashtag Phoenix, hashtag love. Oh, I know. Fuck you, dude. I was like, Jerry Joel, like, oh with God. the love of my life. Yes. Ugh. Puke. And so, uh, we're like, really? Yeah. No. So she, she doesn't take a selfie and post it. She takes just a picture of the concert, but then hashtag putting herself in Arizona, putting herself at the Billy Joel concert, putting herself with a love. Um, and so I'm like, great, we'll use that as evidence. Then I'm like, let me look up Billy Joel. Was he there that weekend? Yes, he was. Screenshot the confirmation <laughs> of his tour date. Great. Well, that's, that's our evidence. And then I was like, what else we got? So then we went over to Ben's profile. Ben posted a picture of himself standing in front of this old Cadillac car, some kind of old collector car. Do you remember? In front of the cafe. Yes. And you were the one that said it was a coffee shop. And you're like, where's that coffee shop? Because it's yeah. very unique. It does not look familiar at all anywhere around here. Look local to the area is what it looked like. Like a, a little, you know, so you do your little investigative work within five seconds. You send me a screenshot going, yeah, that coffee shop's only located oh, in Phoenix. Yep. Boom. There we only have one of it. Them. There we have it, it should on be, a silver platter. Yeah, it should be. There should be no way. And then as the little cherry on top, we were able to provide their plane reservations as well yes. to the courts. So actually the weekend of when she was in Arizona was actually my real birthday. The following weekends when we had plans to have a girls weekend yes. and we were going to have me and you and Deanna and D and Avery. Yes. And we were just going to have fun and hit the Charlie's ground. angels reunite. Yeah. So then we were down to four. So it was just kind of an all around, just bad time. Yeah. I didn't feel. It wasn't scary. a bad time. No, it just disappointing that we didn't have all of us together and that. Right. Yeah. It was just like on a sour note. Leading and I up like, to it, it was a sour note. You're right. Yeah. And I feel like that they were rubbing it in our faces. I hadn't been out with friends since Cameron was born. So I was definitely looking forward to a girl's night out. I wasn't at my pre-baby weight yet, so trying to find something to wear was actually laughable. Amber and I played dress up in my closet and then both started on our hair and makeup. And when we both emerged from two different rooms, we began laughing at what we were both looking at. I've never taken as long as I did and still have <laughs> to lose my baby weight because I'm not that cute, skinny little pregnant person with a bump. <laughs> I'm like all thighs and ass and arm. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, all, I'm like, all, I'm like a log. I just, it's just the way it is. And I've accepted it. But the one thing that I've always looked forward to or always known is that I can drop the weight so quickly right after, but that was not the case. This old lady <laughs> giving birth, um, much later in life. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> no joke. So we had our red lipstick on our signature red lips and we had our turquoise earrings and it was just so funny. And I was like, I'll change mine. It's your birthday. You get to look hot and feel good. 
The first stop was to pick up Deanna from the salon she worked at in Bellevue, and then we were off to have dinner and drinks at Earl's. Dee had plans to meet up with us a bit later. It was an amazing feeling to be able to see Deanna in person, especially after all of the calls and texts we all had previously. We had become so close in such a short period of time while trying to get Sydney protected in family court. It was tough knowing that one of Charlie's angels was missing. Avery chose the wrong side and she teamed up with Ben, which meant that she had officially moved over to the dark side and was now a fallen angel. Next up, we were off to the rooftop lounge at the W for a round of birthday shots. Let's just say Amber and I should have cut ourselves off hours earlier than we did because the following morning, we both could barely remember everything that transpired those last few hours. I'm vividly being drunk going, and she's the wife and, and I'm the wife and she's a girlfriend. Funny, right? <laughs> all together and we had another girlfriend right. too that's and they're just like, like what <laughs> like that is so rad and they're like yeah. all of you like Whoa. all the girlfriends and the wives oh yeah they were shocked as shit dying. yeah and then after like <laughs> a bunch of rounds being bought for us over and over and drinking that 75 proof or whatever the heck i was drinking Gosh. um rum or whatever the heck it was um, I was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom, like shimmied <laughs> off. And like, that's when I think you and Dee have like a heartfelt talk and you're like, I start crying. So I was telling her about the miscarriages. So she's trying to take care of a weeping Amber. At the same time, she's like, I'm missing a wife. <laughs> Where's <laughs> Athena? So I mean, she drags my drunk ass to the bathroom and she's like, Athena, no, where are you? And you're like, I'm in here. I do. Okay. Yes. And it's the doors locked. So I get on my hands and knees on a gross bathroom floor and crawl you. under. But we don't so, remember this until no, three days later, by the yes. way, when, when D actually tells us what actually happened. We just remember going and getting to the Uber and I'm holding a Starbucks empty cup. Yeah. And you're saying to the Uber, he's like, she's not going to pick up my She's car, not getting she's in. She's not getting in. I'm like, oh, but you have to, please. And I'm begging. I'm like, she has a cup. See? Like yeah, you were so, you were, <laughs> you convinced him. You were amazing. Uh, and I was like trying to pretend. I was like, uh-huh. I'm and good. Then, yeah. I was like, I'm fine. Like on the cup. And then I sit in there and I was like holding a cup in front of my face. And you're like, good job, baby. You're doing so good. <laughs> it's like, you're talking to, to Sydney. You're like, good job, sweetie. Like, oh my gosh, you're doing so great. Oh, and I was like, mess. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Mess. And the next day, once we get the full story, that's when Dee tells us that you officially crawled underneath the yeah. bathroom stall, brought me a bottle of water, held up my hair while I vomited in the Bonding toilet while, for life. while the club was closed, by the way, <laughs> got me and convinced some random stranger that I could handle my shit and get into your Uber. That's yeah. right. And, she, and then I got you back. After our big night out, me and Athena discovered even more information. The ring that Ben had wooed Avery back with was fake. Big surprise, right? The mean girl in me couldn't help but laugh. What a fool Avery was. How long before she realized that she fell for more of Ben's bullshit? We had just actually talked to the domestic abuse lady, the victim's advocate, and she right. wanted us to reach out to Avery. 
Correct. Because we were all concerned about the behavior and then her going back to Ben. Um, so then I came across some information that Ben had bought a fake diamond ring on Amazon for $29.99. And then upon closer look, it was the same one that Avery had sent us before she betrayed us and said, he bought me these rings. He's showing me how committed he is. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. It was the BOGO. It was the BOGO two for one. We were dying going, oh my God, it's the ring. It's the ring that he had told Avery about. And now I have confirmation. That and the it's box fake. looked beautiful when she it showed did. it to us. Yes. Like a, it was a band. It was a wedding band. It was a gauge ring and a wedding band or whatever. It was definitely the two. And so we were like, okay, but we knew better because of our experiences. Duh. <sighs> yeah. So then when we found out and was sent this information that, um, <laughs> Nope, this was on Amazon. And we compared the photo. They're identical. Yeah. I mean, I had a little chuckle. <laughs> Not gonna lie. Because <laughs> at that point, she'd been back. You deserve us. that, girl. You so deserve like, that. Whoa. <laughs> oh my yeah. god. Yeah. We weren't being so, mean girls. We were being like any other woman in the world would feel like after they just got a knife jammed in their back. Yeah. Right? When you're in love. You don't give two shits if your ring is fake or not fake. If it's a piece of twine, um, a blade of grass. But when somebody tries to fool you and talk up this huge, very expensive purchase, yeah. this diamond and this, that, it's very different. And that's oh, yeah. why Who's we feel the it? way we feel. But needless to say, I reached out to her and told her that we were concerned for her, that the victim's advocate wanted us to reach out. Oh, by the way, you have a fake ring. And then she goes, she goes, yeah, right. Because remember, she's like, oops, I meant that for someone else when she was on Valentine's Day. So I was like, oops, sorry, did I let that slip? Yes. And I did not care if that little bit tiger you came out because she deserved at that point. And at the yeah. same time, I wanted her to know, and I didn't need an easy, smooth delivery. Yeah, she I know. deserve it. It was point. a bumpy delivery, but needless to say, her response was, I know. And I'm like, no, you well, don't. That's right. You don't know that your ring's fake. You're pissed right now. I know you are. And you guys are going to go argue right now because- Did we send are- her a screenshot of yes. the exact, her exact purchase on- Yes. There it is. Ba-boom, ba-boom. There's the ring. And she, she was like, to say, I, like know. I already know that. And we were like, ha, they're going to fight and I go, tonight. Yeah. And I was like, you deserve better than a $29.99 ring. That's right. Oh my goodness. She's like, right. we're not together and you're harassing me. I'm like, okay, well, thank you very much. I won't be contacting you anymore, but I hope you feel really super smart right now. I know. I know. That's all I have to say. I'm yeah. going to go party with my girls right now. <laughs> you should be here actually. I know. So, While our girls' night was a blast, it definitely poked the bear because Ben went on a rampage. Deanna sent a group text in complete panic. Someone had alerted her that she had been posted on multiple slut-shaming and cheating websites. And in complete disbelief, we started searching her name on Google and up popped multiple hits with her full name, phone number, place of business, and photos saying the most awful and horrific things anyone could ever say. Here's a clip from our interview with Deanna. So how did you find out you were on the dirty.com to begin with? 
He had the guy that I had been dating who was Axel, who he's cool with that. Um, His name could be on here? Yeah, he's cool with that. But he was a private military contractor. So the email address is absolutely 100% like protected via spyware. So he knew something. And it was just a blanket email, which has been submitted into court, just saying, hey, but you should know what type of woman you're dating. And it was the oh. slut shaming post. Oh, so he now, got an anonymous email from someone with a link to dirty.com. Your boyfriend did. Yes. And got here's okay. what's interesting. The day it was posted was also the day that Avery gave me a call at two o'clock in the morning. I didn't answer. And not four hours later, the exact testimony of what he signed and swore into court. No, no, because he was trying to convince a court that he was justified in slut shaming me because I deserved it. It was destroying my business. It was destroying everything. We we ended up finding out that he was using SEO tags on anything I'd ever accomplished. The Pentagon, um, CNN. the Pentagon Channel, Fox Sports Net, Good Morning America, all of the therapy, all the, the philanthropic work that I'd done, he would, if people are aware of SEO, it's kind of like the backbones of things. And so you don't necessarily see it, but what it does is it generates keywords and hashtags. So that right. way, when somebody Googles something, it populates up whore. So instead of Googling and finding all your philanthropic, like, philanthropic work they are seeing your name pop up on like multiple slut shaming websites and then yeah there's only two dnrls in the poor country this poor girl in in maine was like what's going on on?" (laughs) but i just remember reading getting to my phone when i got home and there's just like all these back and forth messages with us three yes and she's like freaking out ben put my face my photos my everything on slut shaming sites like the dirty and cheater websites her business name her phone number her instagram uh, saying she's a slut just the worst things you could possibly say about someone i know um that she has stds that she uses people for money that she's an alcoholic what else did she they say um oh god he was i mean the worst he claimed things. rape amongst multiple men. Oh yeah, men. So she's claimed rape on six men. Um, Mentally ill, like yeah. Um, just she's a whore. Like anything. Yes, that is the most horrible thing that you could read about yourself or think to call someone. He did, and he put her on a very public website, and it was and awful. Yeah, and so it was like one. And then I remember all of us girls are like, well, we're going to comment in the comment That's section. Right. Like, Hi, Ben. This is clearly Ben. Hi, Ben. Yeah. yeah. And like, we know what you're doing. Nice yeah, try. Yeah, we know what you're doing. You're such we're a trying to wash crap. it out. Yeah. Yeah. But then more and more and more and more sites. I mean, I think there was like. Other sites. 79. It, it was yes. like a computer, like, a not, like, I don't even know, uh, algorithm. They just like spawn. And I, I we knew it, it was what, 30 sites i think in total she said there's like 79 at this point yeah and she he had actually done this to her prior and i forgot about that because um very true i think it was right in the very beginning of her career but he had created fake facebook 
profiles and like slut shamed her on those. Then I believe he took them down and he admitted to doing that to her. And then he took them down. But so he's, this is something he's done before, but we were in shock. Like I didn't even know what the dirty was. I I had no idea. So I remember like typing my name going, Oh my God, did he do this to me too? And me too. Being horrified. And like, I don't know why he's going after her so off. Like he he didn't do that with any of us. No, he went after her in a different level. Ben was going to get his because we had proof this time that he broke the court order by going to Arizona with Avery. And at his next court hearing, we listened intently. It was going well until it wasn't. He's going to get in trouble for going to Arizona. Yes. So, yeah. So that's when we were like, okay, we have all the proof. Like I just mentioned before, we have plane tickets. We have pictures putting them with her tagging them in Arizona. I, I mean... We have confirmation that Billy Joel was there on his tour. We were very confident. We were super confident. And we had just looked like fools with the oyster shooter thing. And now we're like, we got to redeem ourselves. And we were all on fire for what he did to Deanna. Yes. And so sitting there in court, it's like, I didn't even think, I don't even know. I just common sense. Like if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck, it's a duck. It's like, we're sitting there and the court says, can you go to the company that monitors his ankle monitor? And we're like, yeah. And yeah. I, I just remember them saying, yes, we, you can, we can confirm your honor was in fact in Bothell. And it was like slow motion. Like what? He yep. was not, he was not. So he they was called call- a recess so that yes. they could call him on the side. Mm-hmm, I remember that. I felt so defeated. So he got okay. away with it again. Steroid enhanced Ben would not ever be still an idol at the exact same address 24 seven. Therefore, when they came yeah. back into the court and we were listening to it all, he didn't move. He never moved. Days he never left his, his home yeah. Yeah. for like, what was it? Like seven days or four yeah. days. But yeah. I'm like, really? Bullshit. He yeah. does not cook food. He buys food like daily or he has to go to the grocery store every few days to buy lean pockets or whatever. And he's going to go to the gym one or two times a day. And his complex did not have a gym. Therefore, he was going to LA Fitness or wherever the fuck he was yeah. going. And yeah. so I was like, that How is not are, yeah. possible. That is not yes. possible that his ankle monitor um, mapped him at the exact location without moving for four or five days. No fucking way. Here's the actual court audio from that day. Check it out. My offer proof I've handed it forward to the court. Um, I have proof. Um, Amber, Amber Rasmussen, first of all, wrote a declaration under the penalty of perjury that she saw that there were uh, tickets booked um, here, uh, to Arizona on March 4, March 8th through March 10th, 2019 for Brandon Johnson. And they were from Mr. Johnson's personal Expedia account. And she also verified that she did not book those tickets. And then I provided also a copy of the air uh, cost. It was for $371.07. You can see that in, includes passenger as well as Mr. Johnson. You can see that their itineraries are here. Also attached that they're seated right next to each other. They're round trip tickets. Um, another allegation and then also as another further offer of proof, it was for them to attend a concert in Arizona together which took place on March 9th, 2019. And there's a copy of um, attending the Billy Joel concert uh, per her Instagram account. And also Mr. Jansen, Mr. Johnson texted a, uh, had a photograph on his Facebook, um, which was 
for a coffee stand in Cooperstar Coffee, which is also located in Arizona. And Your Honor, I can address all of this. Okay, so, and I think that the first thing that I would like to address is the trip to Arizona, and I have two things to address with that. First of all, um, if you look at uh, section, I think it's section four or five of the um, motion that we filed, or the evidence that we filed in this case, there is information showing that he canceled both of his trips to Arizona. Today, however, the picture outside of the coffee stand was posted to his Facebook account from Arizona. It is dated April 17, 2017. It is an old picture. I don't know if they reposted it. I don't know if they cut the picture to add different information to it, but it was an old picture that was posted in 2017. He was in Arizona in 2017 as well. And we'll note for the court that Mr. If they wanted to prove that he was in Arizona, it would be very easy because he either would have cut off the GPS bracelet that the court currently has him on, or he would be in Arizona with the GPS bracelet on. He has continually worn a GPS bracelet during the pendency of this case as ordered by the court. So, um, to make these allegations through pictures and other information when the prosecutor could have just gotten a copy of the GPS information is odd to me. Um, Wait, and give me a second. Do we have a copy of the GPS information? We do not have a copy. That is something that we can provide to the court. All right, and we took a recess uh, so we could get confirmation um, by GPS if Mr. Johnson was in Arizona I believe, was it March 8th? I can't remember the dates. March 8th through the 10th. Okay, March 8th through the 10th. Mr. Erickson, uh, were you able to contact the GPS company? I was, Your Honor, and they informed me that he was in Buffalo on all three dates, 8th, 9th, and 10th. And uh, City of Buffalo, State of Washington. All right, do we have any, do we need, does the city want to be heard on that? No. Turns out the woman lawyer that was representing Ben in this matter fired him after she found out that he was submitting fake evidence into court. However, his new male lawyer picked up right where she left off and carried on his agenda to paint us as the bad guys. Do you want to be heard on that? It appears that we did not discuss that at the last hearing. Um, well, I think the last hearing, I think the GPS ultimately proved that that was not credible, the allegation was made about Arizona. And then the next step, why my understanding is that that's not just a small allegation, that the the, uh, the the whole meat of that allegation is that they took a picture from his Facebook page and they doctored the date in supplying this allegation. They suggested that this photograph from Arizona was recent. And in fact, it was very, very old, and that's a very deviant act that I would suggest should overshadow this, which is even unclear when the first two columns are from. The, the screenshot doesn't include the date the witness says that she's basing her memory on this on a third screenshot. Thank you. And for additional clarity regarding the infamous oyster shooters debacle, 
We did reach out to Ben's best friend, who was in the photo, and while he did not want to come on the podcast, he did confirm that it was, indeed, tequila shots in the photo, not oyster shooters. The next allegation is that the city alleges that the defendant has violated his pretrial release condition by failing to keep his address updated with the court. Ms. Fitzgibbon. That's correct, Your Honor. Ever since I found out that the GPS company is willing to talk to the parties in the case, um, I asked, I was uh, informed by the GPS company that he is now residing in Puyallup, and it's my understanding he hasn't provided an updated address with the court. Mr. Trumbull, it looks like that the, the court's address is the Bothell Washington address. Um, is your client residing at a different address? Um, Your Honor, at this point, um, it's, I wanted to address that with the court. Um, I was hoping to do that in just a standard pretrial hearing, not a motion like this. But um, it appears that this case is very complicated. There's a lot of interest and a lot of people involved. And I think that it makes sense. Uh, for nobody to share any addresses with anybody, including um, Mr. Johnson's, which normally wouldn't even be something that was asked for, but I don't, he has no, he comes to court, he's here, he's got bail, bail company knows his address, uh, no objection to any court knowing, the city, the prosecutors knowing, but to be sharing his address is a, um, it's not, I don't think, authorized this point. Right. What, I will, what I will order, though, is that he keep his uh, address updated with the court. So if he is at a different location, he needs to give that address to Madam Court so she can update the court record. Which was, and, sorry, and so that would be a public record, right? Mr. Uh, Trumbull, without uh, saving his address, is he at a different location than the Bothell, Washington address? I will, yes, and I will give the court an update then. Right. I, the court will and find there is a violation of him not keeping his address updated. He had, it was his initiative to remind me um, in my disorganization to put the court on notice of his new address that he moved. I, I moved to Puyallup in an effort to stay clear of my ex-wife, Athena, and the people, et cetera, et cetera, and the people that he feels are coming after him. He's given me evidence of them driving by his address and looking in his garage, having other people look in his garage to see if he's there. He feels stuck. I know he's the one that's under the microscope and he's not performing perfectly. But, um, you know, his GPS tracker, thank God he had that on. So that was able to prove, disprove the allegations about this Arizona thing. Um, the, G, the GPS, thank goodness, um, shows that he didn't slash anyone's tire. Um, it, it's, um, it is concerning. The case is very concerning. And we, maybe we need to speed it up and get it to a trial so it comes to a resolution. But, um, I, you know, I, it, it's not, um, it's not, not all under Mr. Johnson's control. So why didn't Ben want to update his address with the court? Well, it's very simple. That is because he had secretly moved into Avery's home in Tacoma, even though she still had her no-contact order against him. That's the real truth, regardless of any BS his lawyer wanted to spin. Ben continued to fight the parenting plan that was put in place with specific guidelines to protect Sydney. 
The judge allowed Ben to skip a few steps ahead of his mandatory therapy and allowed him to start monitored visits with Sydney. The woman my attorney referred me to monitor the visits seemed like a great fit. She had the credentials and was seasoned in her field. Ben agreed on her as well, so in no time, Ben, Sydney, and this woman began spending a decent amount of time each week. And although Sydney would usually defend her father and not me, she found herself shocked, upset, and feeling very defensive. On the car ride home, Sydney decided to confide in this woman so that she knew who her father really was. I remember this shitty fucking judge even seeing that he had not completed task one, task two, task three, yeah. like these basic, basic five-step right. program after everything that was written that he had done, all of the 380 pages of evidence we had submitted. And she said, okay, this is just, this has just gone far too long. Like this man needs to see his child. Oh this my is, God. This is an abomination. I'm like, what? Yeah. And I remember speaking when she was talking to my attorney, I remember speaking aloud and my attorney was like, you know, and then because I said, how many times I said, I have followed every single thing that you've told me to do. You said, get a paper trail. I'm trying to create a paper trail. You said, when I came here in front of you by myself with no representation, do this, this, and this. I've done this, this, and this. You said, present me with details and facts. I presented you with details and facts. And now you're saying, uh, and now he signed off on this, agreeing that he's yeah. in this bad place. And now you're telling me it's gone far too long. He has not met the standards of the agreement that we agreed upon with him getting professional mental health counseling to be a better father. Yeah. Yet this judge is belittling me, talking down to me. That's so disgusting. I just sat there quiet before everyone said a word and she just talked down to me. Okay, this has gone on far too long. Like, this is just not okay. And I thought, okay, is Ben fucking you? Like, yeah. I seriously, I, he's so manipulative. I was just like, no. what is, what is happening? Like, did you even go back and read the other stuff? Uh, my tree jumps in and she says, we, we definitely want a person there to monitor the visits. And so then, bada bing, bada boom, we get three or four different companies that are allowed, that we're allowed to choose a monitor from. Go home, Ben gets to look, I get to look, we choose this male who is psycho crazy. Yeah. So then we find, then my attorney finds this um, woman who I speak to. So down to earth, so kick ass. Great. I talked to Ben or my attorney talks to Ben and his attorney both agree. She's got the background. Okay, cool. She seems very neutral. Little did I know. Basically she was nice to you in the very beginning. And then you start feeling like she's cold. She's yes. getting a little distant and a little bit yeah. cold, which is very odd. Out of the blue. I, I assumed that the court had presented her with everything that he had done. Right. And I do not believe that is the case. Oh, interesting. So when Sydney came home one day in tears mm -hmm. saying, I overheard this monitor woman and my dad talking shit about you. Mm-hmm. 
that's when you were alerted. Sydney was still borderline upset that she couldn't see her dad, right? She was very defensive. Do you remember? Yeah. She was still protecting him. It took time for her years, actually. Yeah. And and I, I would never turn her against her dad. She just needed to take that time with her counselor to figure out what was right or what was wrong. I wasn't going to be the one, the mean mom, to say, oh, your dad's a bad guy, right? And so I just had to sit back and let her learn and do the work. And so the fact that when she came home, she actually was defending me for once and, yeah. saying, and crying and upset and saying she had gone upstairs to use the restroom, came back down, sat at the bottom of the stairs. And while she sat there, heard her dad and this woman talking shit about me for 20 minutes, belittling me. Calling you stupid. Hearing her dad tell this woman fake stories and lies, making me look bad. And so in her own way, when she got to the car to head home, she decided, I don't think you really know the truth. That's right. About who my dad really is and who my mom really is. And I was shocked. My daughter's never defended me in my life ever. You know, um, ugh, I don't even know what to think about it. Um, he had turned her against me for so many years. Yeah, he really did. I mean, he started from the time we yeah. divorced. She didn't know any better. And so it's so hurtful as a mom to have your baby not respect you because of the bullshit lies that her father's been brainwashing her since she didn't even know any better. But deep down, it was the best feeling. But she know. knew. Yeah. She knew, she knew what was right from wrong at that moment. And the fact that she felt upset because she was learning with her counselor that yeah. that um his lies hurt people yeah she was feeling protective of this woman and and yeah. didn't want to be a part of that anymore she did not want to be a pawn in his game and so she said i need to tell you something and this woman told her that it wasn't true it was all in her head and that i was feeding her lies and she went on to tell this woman, no, like, I'm not, no, I, I lived this. I saw this. And this woman said, well, I know people in the legal system and I've already looked into it and your, your mom's lying. And she was like, I never told you my mom said these things. And when she came home, she was a bundle of nerves and she just started bawling. And I just sat with her and I hugged her and we sat on the steps and I was like, what's wrong? And she told me mom this this and i cried with her because half of me was crying because i couldn't believe for the first time my daughter was <laughs> like sticking up for me but not sticking up for me like in a bad way just sticking up for me because it was the truth and it, and it felt yeah. so good and I so know. emotional and i thought damn she does like me you know well, and I think seeing us have a friendship too helped and it was validation and the impact that his actions has had on you, me, Avery, Deanna. Yeah. She has she saw it. She trusted me and you and you know what I mean? And all of us are saying the same thing and it just, it validates her like, okay. She, she witnessed it and she mm -hmm. saw it and she saw, she saw him lie. Even if he fed her stories to have her make sense of things, every year she grew older, she, yeah. she started well, to see through it. Exactly. It, and it that didn't was, make sense anymore. She just wanted to believe the best in her dad. 
I drafted up an email. I read it over multiple times. I had Chris read over to make sure it didn't sound too aggressive. I was way too fucking nice. And I just said, hey, my daughter told me this, this, that, and the other. I'm very concerned about this, that, and this. And she came home crying and I would love to know what happened, um, you know, on your side of things. And, you know, because obviously I should be aware of what happened during their visit. I'm the main parent now. Um, but I slept very nicely. And so she didn't respond to me the following day when I followed it up after or two days later, she didn't respond. I followed up with a text message. She said, Hey, I sent you um, an email. I just want to touch base with you. She responded with a text message with a text message talking shit about me. And it was meant for Ben to receive. Oh my gosh. And calling you stupid or calling me stupid. And I said this, not that, uh, and I was just like, and I, re- I couldn't help myself. I, re- yeah. I the tiger came out and I was like, yeah, uh, excuse me. I said, Oh, I think you meant for this yeah. to sent to Ben, not me. Uh, hi, did you, I'm guessing you got my email and then never responds. Yeah. Next thing I know by that evening, she sends an email to my attorney and Ben's attorney saying how she re she doesn't even acknowledge what had happened. She just says that on the ride home that Cindy had uh, brought up some things that happened to her that she does not believe is true whatsoever. And she believes that the mother is feeding the daughter lies and like crazy so information to turn her against her dad. Her against her dad. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and my attorney calls me, goes, uh, we need to address this. And I'm just like, what the fuck? Yeah, I know. What is happening? What is happening? I know. Again? How? Ben was so incredibly unhinged and retaliating against all of us. And to my surprise, I learned that he had filed a restraining order on me. He was following through with what he threatened my lawyer and Athena with weeks back. He was going to make sure that I would never, ever see Sydney again. And to make matters worse... My lawyer forwarded me some correspondence from Ben that stated that he had proof that I lied about everything in an email that I allegedly sent him. Are you kidding me? I never sent Ben even one email that confessed anything about me lying or anything. So here we go again. Ben was creating fake documents to get his way. I about had a heart attack. I'm like, I have an Oregon restraining order. I have a five-year, actually... I just had a regular no contact at that point. And here is a restraining order. And I'm reading him saying I beat him up. I know. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like, is this going to stand in court? He's been getting away with all of this. I know this was so scary. I, just, I was so terrified. Like it's going to happen again. Is he going to win yeah. again? Through he's going to win. Evidence? He's saying all these horrible things about me and that I lied and I'm vengeful and just, I, I mean, I'd have to go back and read everything, but I just remember feeling astonished and shocked at what I was reading and then, you and then just scared. I've never been to court. I, I've never been up in front of a judge. I have I huge anxiety and you know, I don't even think I would have been able to do it if you weren't there. I, yeah. I was going to pee myself, sweating. I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I was going to cry all at the same time. And so <sighs> I remember just, I know. I need your help. I just called. I was like, I need your help. I don't know what to do. I felt like you were me in 2016 and I was 
Allison, Chris's sister, mm-hmm. was like, I got you. Yeah. I got your back. I'm your bodyguard. Um, no, he's not going to fucking touch you. And she had this confidence back then. Um, she still does. But I knew that 100% because I remember thinking to myself, as you were very upset, I wasn't just feeding you bullshit that I got your back. I knew that with the things that he was stating in court and the legalities that even though he got away with so much that the legal basis of things and the legal um, statements that he had made, I could actually counter them with legal statements. Right. So Ooh. thankfully you had a protection order yes. against sit, uh, protecting Sydney and I against him. Yes. So, so therefore he has no jurisdiction. He over had no her. right at that moment to yes. like, say what, who and what Sydney could do or be a part of or so. Yeah. You do not have even a, a sense of what direction the outcome could go in. And that's kind of frightening too. Sometimes we're like, we got this, we got this. We, we know this is not, but then when I felt like that multiple times and then I went to court with all of this factual right. information and then this judge still gave him leeway and it was, there was no rhyme or reason. I thought, okay, there, it could go either way all the time. You just never know. You just never yeah. know. Yeah. And, and that's frightening. Yeah. I know. I just, I, <sighs> I didn't know what to do. I just was beside myself and well, I, I COVID. So you had to come up and drive from Oregon. Yeah. And yeah. we all had fires going. So Deanna had a big fire that she was dealing with and I'm dealing with my fire and yeah. you realize that you have another fire brewing I that, know. you know, you, there's always a fire brewing with me. I'm sure there's one right now, by the way. <laughs> I know, right? Next time on Ex-Wives Undercover. I remember you calling me going, Athena, oh my God, what the fuck? She's trying to do this against Sydney too, so I can't see her. And I'm like, it's okay, it's okay. Like, And then it was like the light bulb moment where I was like, wait a second. Yes. He was late. He walks in, he looks right at us, and you're like, <laughs> from ear to ear and I'm like stop it stop it he's like staring daggers at us and I'm like he's gonna kill us you stop it right now stop smiling and you're just like hi Ben <laughs> staring at the surprise biatch <laughs> and once again if you like what you're hearing please leave us a five star review and make sure to join our private Facebook group for even more juicy info You can also find us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And of course, you can always visit our site at www.xwivesundercover.com.